0: Good morning, and welcome to Noblesville First, to our live stream on this April 26, 2020. We're in the middle of a series called Paul's Letters from Quarantine. We hope that you learn something from the inspiration of Paul, who's writing from prison to a church in Colossae. I'd like to invite you to join me in the responsive of sharing of our call to worship. I'll read both parts, but hope that you'll chime in with the words that are shared on your screen. The Lord has heard your voice and the cries of your heart. Lord, bring us peace and healing. Rejoice and call upon the name of the Lord. Praise be to you, O God, who has raised our Savior, Jesus Christ. Bring your praises and your songs to the table of the Lord. And may our hearts and spirits rejoice on this day. Amen. So please sing along now as we join together and all hail the power of Jesus' name. Singing good for the soul, so sing along. Please join me in our prayer of gathering in praise. Lord, bring your blessings upon us. We've now been at this quarantine isolation for some time, and it's starting to grow weary on our hearts and minds, our nerves. And so we need to draw upon your faith now. And especially we need to do so because we are called to be your witnesses. We, we have the opportunity now to Show forth the faith that you have instilled in us to show the rest of the world that patience and endurance is something that your spirit can grant to all of us. Help us to model that in all that we do to take seriously the things that we need to pay attention to to keep everyone safe. May we return anger with love. May we know that we serve a risen Savior who suffered greatly for us and our ancestors in the faith, like Paul we're talking about today, endured so much in order to share that love to everybody, to spread it through the world. So now is our opportunity to shine. This is our chance to be your people. Instill that in our hearts and minds on this day through Christ who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. <laughs> several prayer concerns to lift up today, so bear with me. Uh, Let us pray for Angela Edge, one of our members who continues to recover from the coronavirus. I think day 29 for her, so please keep praying for her as she's still having some symptoms. We also want to pray for Paul Kern, a former pastor here at Noblesville First and retired now. He suffered a minor stroke last weekend He's doing well and staying in the home of his son, John, so we're pleased with his progress. Also pray for Don Fraser who fell and broke his back. He has been fitted with a back brace, but he's still in very good spirits. Uh, by the way, Don celebrated his 100th birthday last winter. And we have some uh, sympathies to pass along. Uh, I learned this morning that we need to pray for Marsha Branson, someone who's attended here, her Father Dick Ballard uh, died this morning of the coronavirus. Also pray for the family of Andrew Siebert, who passed away last Sunday at the age of 31. Andrew is the nephew of Virginia Virginia Gamble. And pray for the family of Foster Allman, who's Jennifer Barker's grandfather, and also for the family of Fred Allgood, who's Shelly Markham's father. Now we're gonna show you a, a short video Uh, we thought uh, this is the season for prom and many other activities and today as we're focusing somewhat on our students, we thought it'd be good to uh, invite them to share pictures of the things they're missing out this spring, things that they love to do and can't do because of this crisis. So as you watch this video, I hope that you'll think of a student that you know of or one of these pictured and start praying for them because Grief comes in all forms, and they're certainly experiencing grief and loss of what they'll miss out on at this critical time, significant time in their life.
1: join in our call to prayer. Almighty and merciful God, we open our hearts to you, trusting that your love and goodness is stronger than all the challenges we face today. If we are ill, strengthen us. If we are tired, fortify our spirits. If we are anxious, help us to consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. May we always hold fast to you, knowing that your strength far exceeds our own and that your love and mercy know no limits. We pray in the name of Jesus, who suffered, died, and was raised to new life. Amen. Now let's take a moment of silent prayer, and then I'll close us with the pastoral prayer. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for this day and for the opportunity to worship you together apart as members of the body of Christ. Because you have always been faithful to us, O God, bringing us time and time again out of despair into hope, out of death into new life, even now in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, we will trust in you. We trust that an end will come. Assist scientists, researchers, and medical professionals as they work tirelessly on developing vaccines and therapies and care for the sick. And until that day comes when we can safely be back together again, protect frontline workers and vulnerable populations. And while we can use this unprecedented time to draw into a deeper relationship with you, O Lord, and with our neighbors, even if in unconventional ways, Help us all to be responsible members of the human family by making good and healthy choices, supporting good governance, staying at home, practicing good physical distancing when we must go out, wearing a mask in public and washing our hands frequently. We thank you for the leadership of our state's leaders and ask that you would help them continue to resist the pressure some are exerting to open up too soon. While the physical health of ourselves and others is often our first priority, let us also not forget that there are people who are struggling from increased anxiety, depression, loneliness, parental pressures, financial stress, a lack of access to technology, and job loss. While the sheer numbers worldwide of people who have died or who are sick or experiencing hardship are beyond our stunned comprehension, we know, dear God, that you have known us and adored us before we were even born. You count the hairs on our every head. You accompany every person who dies and you comfort every person who grieves. You restore the trembling nations. So even now we shall trust. This past Wednesday, we celebrated the 50th annual Earth Day. Even from within our COVID-19 restrictions, there is hope around us if we have eyes to see. We can look out and know your presence with us in a flower, a bird, budding trees, the stars, the wind, in the face of a loved one at home with us or online or even in our memories and in the commitments that we make as stewards of a life-giving planet. You, O God, have entrusted us with your world and with one another, and we are your beloved children who give you thanks and praise. And now we unite ourselves with the risen Christ and with one another,
0: Okay, parents, this is your two-minute warning to go get your kids, because in a short while, Janelle Hadley's got a children's message for them. A few announcements to lift up to your attention today. First of all, don't forget the Zoom Q&A right after this service with Kristen Boyce, who's a certified counselor and owner of Pathways to Healing Counseling Service here in Noblesville, Tom Shriver-McGreevy and Janelle Hadley are going to host this conversation. It's an open-ended conversation, so join in. You'll find that link on the front page of the website. It's the same link that was used before the service with the Zoom gathering we had for fellowship. I hope that you noticed the flowers before me and behind me. Uh, these all came from the Teeter Farm. Uh, don't they look great? And they're here to remind us that now the sale is on. The website is up, so you can go to tierorganicfarm.com, and you'll find pictures of all the plants and flowers and bedding plants that are available for you to order now. Uh, One little quirk that I've been told by Pastor Aaron is that when you order, you'll pick the, the item you want, but you don't give the quantity until you go to the checkout, to the shopping cart. So just keep that in mind when you're making that order. Please know that you'll be able to do safe pickup, contactless plan is already in place. You can pick those up on May 9th, Saturday, May 9th, and Sunday, May 10th. Also, there will be some delivery options available for Noblesville and Cicero for any orders over $100. There's just a $10 fee to do that. Monday night, we're excited about Sunshine Friends. they will be gathering by Zoom as well. It's been almost two months since they've gathered together, so we're excited that they'll have this opportunity. Volunteers, I know we need to come too because they'll be looking forward to seeing you as well. And thank you for all those who have been continuing to share the Hymns for Hope, hashtag Hymns for Hope. Uh, this week's hymn is My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. So use the hashtag or log on to our Noblesville First Facebook page and post videos either performing it or singing it. We'd love to have you, and if it works out, we'll try to put it together for this Sunday live stream. Also, uh, we're seeking um, questions. On May 17th and 24th, we're going to do a little short series called God and the Coronavirus, and we want your questions about what does this raise, what does this make you think about God? I know I've been reading and hearing about some pretty bad theology out there by some pastors and We'll share our biblically based answers as best we can to whatever questions you have that this is raising for you. And then finally, I want to lift up that the one on one is now being offered not just uh, in writing each week by email, but we're now doing a Facebook live event at 4 o'clock on Thursdays. I'll be there. I'll share what I've written with you, and you can comment or you can ask questions, and then I can have a live. Kind of q a at that time to answer any questions that any of that brings up there's a lot going on so uh, we found this the feature be a nice helpful one that people have appreciated at this time let's hear janelle's message to the children
2: good morning everyone while well, lately i've been able to spend some time with middle school and high school students on zoom calls i miss seeing your faces on sunday mornings at orange express and i hope you're all doing well Like your families, our family has been working puzzles and trying to get outside when the weather's nice and playing board games. And one of the games that we play at our house is the Game of Life Despicable Me version. This game comes complete with minions and bunches of bananas that you collect while you're on your path of life. And every once in a while you come to a spot where you have to take an unexpected turn. And you might find out that you missed a recital, or you got lost and you have to change directions, or you maybe even get sucked up by an ice cream truck. Totally unexpected. Right now, I feel like that's how our lives might feel, that we've taken an unexpected turn. You don't get to go to school right now, you don't get to play baseball, or you maybe you don't get to go to a dance class, see your best friend, or maybe not even your grandparents, which can be really hard. But I wanna let you know that our Bible verse today gives us, even at your young age, a way that we can make a difference for somebody else, even in this unexpected time. And our verse comes from the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and you are dearly loved by God, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want to challenge you today to see if you can figure out a way to practice some of those things just a little bit extra today, whether it's being kind, like maybe writing a word of encouragement and chalk on your driveway, or writing a note to your grandparents and drawing them a picture, grandparents love to get mail, or being extra patient, like maybe playing the minion game with your little brother for the fifth time, even though you'd rather be doing something else. Each of you can make a difference today, even in this time of unexpected turns. And maybe it's even being a little extra patient with your parents while they're homeschooling you. So I hope that today you're encouraged that you can make a difference to somebody else and that God has given you all these tools that you can use. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for giving these these extra doses Um, of kindness and patience and compassion and gentleness. And I just pray that you would help us all to use them today to make a difference to somebody else. We love you, Lord, and it's in your son's name that we pray today, amen. I hope you all have a great week and I can't wait to see you in person soon. Take care.
1: For our stewardship moment, we'd like to highlight the work of our Acts of Kindness team. They've been busy making phone calls to our congregation and to the community And they've been making masks and distributed them to the noblesville police department and church members we are still taking donations of fabric elastic bias tape and shoestrings to assist with this ongoing project if you'd like to uh, donate please contact carol miller special thanks to all who have been a part of this effort and for your faithful giving which allows us to carry on this ministry in the midst of these difficult times Before we now receive our morning offering, let's ask God's blessing upon it. God of truth and light, we offer you these gifts with humble hearts. We yearn to share your unmistakable presence with all people. While we often find temporary security in our possessions, remind us that true security comes from our relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Strengthen and entrust us to be your faithful disciples in the name of the exalted one, the risen Christ we pray. Amen.
2: Good morning. We are the Wright family and we are reading this morning scripture from the book of Colossians chapter 1 verses 24 through 29. Now I'm happy to be suffering for you. I'm completing what is missing from Christ's sufferings with my own body. I'm doing this for the sake of his body which is the church.
1: I became a servant of the church by God's commission which was given to me for you in order to complete God's word.
2: I'm completing with a secret plan has been hidden for ages and generations, but which has now been revealed to his holy people. God wanted to make the glorious riches of this secret plan known among the Gentiles, which is Christ living in you, the hope of
0: glory. This is what we preach as we warn and teach every person with all wisdom so that we might present each one mature in Christ. I work hard and struggle for this goal with his energy which works in me powerfully. The Faith First is an opportunity for you to reflect. have some personal devotion this week. And the plan this week is to read the book of Colossians. It's only four chapters, so you can do it easily. But it will help you capture a sense of what Paul was able to accomplish while he was in prison and wrote this letter to the church that was in Colossae. Now, in case you missed last week's message on Philippians, let me give you a quick summary of Paul's own version of his uh, quarantine. Paul's arrested in Jerusalem and then spent two years in Herod's palace in Caesarea before being taken to Rome. He, he very quickly discovered that uh, he wasn't going to get a fair trial in Palestine, so he utilized his Roman citizenship, to request an audience before the Caesar. He was then taken by ship. He even had a shipwreck near Malta while he was under custody. But he arrived in Rome safely. And there he spent two more years in prison in Rome. Now what was interesting about Paul's situation is he could take negative situations and see them as a part of God's larger purposes. And so he saw them as opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ Frequently, his captors became supporters. And so he was given a number of freedoms. And though he was locked up, though he had a guard at the door, he was able to still accomplish much. We discover from Paul's letters to both Philippians and Colossians and also Philemon that he spent another two years in Rome, and he was allowed to live incarcerated in a rented dwelling of his own choosing. You might say he was under house arrest. He was able to receive visitors and correspond as much as he desired. As a matter of fact, the letter, this letter written to Colossians, we believe, was penned by Timothy, Paul's personal secretary, that he dictated to him, which means that Paul was able to have a co-worker come in and work with him so his work of being an apostle could continue. Now, we're not sure what happened to Paul after those two years, but I hope that we can see some parallels to Paul that might encourage us as we deal with our extended quarantine. Now, let me give you a quick understanding of the letter to Colossians. If you take time to read it this week, I think you'll find this helpful. See, Paul found an amazing way to impact the world in spite of his confinement. The letter he wrote to the Philippians we talked about last week had to travel over 800 miles before it reached that church at Philippi. And this letter would have traveled more than 1,000 miles by how the crow flies from Colossae to Rome. When you take into account the the shipping routes and the journey that Paul would have had to make from the port at Ephesus, that 100-mile journey to Colossae, it would have been several hundred miles more. And what is interesting is Paul didn't start this church. To our knowledge, he never set foot in Colossae. Epaphras likely started that church, made the journey to Rome, and when he was there, he shared his concerns about the church that was experiencing some division now. There's a group of Jewish Christian mystics who are trying to tell people that they had to follow the Jewish dietary laws and must follow the Jewish holidays, and were requiring them to do some strange mystical spiritual practices. And so Paul uses these words, which were then delivered by tychicus and a slave named Onesimus that we're going to learn more about next week, that uh, encourages the Colossians to understand how the work that God did in Jesus Christ is complete and thorough. It offers all that we need for salvation and transformation. The focus of our faith is always should be on what Christ accomplished, not our desire, our need to find favor with God. So Paul's words that he shared earlier in the first chapter of Colossians sets the tone for the rest of the book I think it will help you appreciate the tone of what Paul's trying to accomplish in this letter. Let me read. Because all the fullness of God was pleased to live in him, referring to Jesus, and he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in the heavens, he brought peace through the blood of his cross. So if you read the book of Colossians this week, keep that in mind. Now what I want to focus on in this passage today is the purpose that Paul found in his own suffering. You've got to keep in mind, Paul's now 50, 60 years old. He's been in ministry all through the Roman Empire for over 20 years, and he's experienced many challenges. He's gained a lot of wisdom and spiritual maturity that we should listen to. From his previous letters, we know that Paul was imprisoned frequently. He was flogged severely. He received that Jewish punishment of 39 lashes five different times. He was beaten by rods, pelted by stones. He spent a full day and night on the open sea wondering if he'd ever be rescued. Paul knew all kinds of dangers, and he certainly understood what it meant to be hungry. He's lived long enough, though, that he can look back and see how he's been able to touch the lives of others because God's hand has been in his suffering. Those sufferings have become opportunities. And over and over again, God has utilized those to bring them to the right place at the right time to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And somehow Paul, because he graciously accepted these circumstances and embraced them as opportunities, over and over his faith was able to shine forth so that people saw in him something special, something that went beyond this world. Let's take a to- closer look at this passage that was read to us by the Wright family. Paul writes, Now I'm happy to be suffering for you. I'm completing what is missing from Christ's suffering with my own body. I'm doing this for the sake of his body, which is the church. So let's note a few things in that. First of all, see that Paul, even though he's in prison, he sees that suffering as an act of service for others, He says, I'm happy to be suffering for you. Paul is in prison because he was willing to speak a truth that was difficult to hear, hear in that polytheistic world. There is one God who cares about this world, the here and now, and God entered it in human form. And that was a strange message to be heard in a world that allowed you to believe and do almost anything. Second thing to point out, and it may have jumped out at you when you heard it, is how can anything be missing from what Christ did for us in the cross? I mean, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He brings complete and lasting forgiveness. He unites us with God forever. So how does Paul's suffering add anything to what Christ has already accomplished? Paul's not suggesting that there's anything wrong with what Christ did on the cross, The only thing that is limiting there is that it was accomplished to one ethnic group in the world in a very remote place in the world. To complete that suffering, that message needs to be taken throughout the world so that every race, every nation, every people can hear that good news. That's what this secret plan is referring to in verses 26 and 27. Paul says, I'm completing it with a secret plan that has been hidden for ages in generations, but which has now been revealed to his holy people. God wanted to make the glorious riches of his, this secret plan known among the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, which is Christ living in you, the hope of glory. This secret plan, or your translation might say mystery, is that God is now making himself available to all people. The Jewish people in Jesus' day thought that the Messiah was to come to make their nation great, but they didn't realize that God's ultimate plan was to take that secret plan, God's secret plan to reconcile the entire world. I think Paul's also suggesting that if it wasn't for his sufferings, he may have never got out into the rest of the world. It was his persecution that literally pushed him out from Palestine to take that message to other people to other places in the world. If you read the book of Acts, you'll discover that based on the geography listed there, Paul would have traveled over 10,000 miles in his lifetime by ship or by foot, and mostly by foot. Paul believed his suffering, though it took him to several unexpected twists and turns in his life, had meaning. God's larger purpose was being served by his sufferings. He was able to bring the good news then to everyone. Now, I'm not suggesting that our quarantine existence compares to what Paul has endured. But I imagine many of us right now, we're looking for some meaning to this strange isolation that we've endured. Our suffering may be subtle, and when you compare our suffering to others in the world, it's probably best described that we have first world problems. A lot of us are still working, and we're inconvenienced while there are others who are experiencing true suffering. But even subtle suffering is real, and it's expressed in a lot of different ways. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to see some things that disturb me as I look around as we grow weary in this time of quarantine. I hate seeing people demonstrate against our government leaders who are having to make difficult decisions right now to keep everyone safe. I hate when I go out and I do notice that there's some people out there not taking this seriously, not wearing masks, not doing the stuff that helps make sure that we practice safe social distancing so that we can all be safe. It just makes me wonder what's going to happen when those restrictions start to be lifted. I mean, we now know that you can carry the virus before you have experienced any symptoms, which means that everyone is a threat. A few of us on our church staff took a workshop this week called Psychological First Aid. And in that training, we came across a graphic that I want you to take a good and careful look at. I think we can learn a few things from it. It's called The Emotional Phases of a Disaster. It's helpful because I think it explains where a lot of us are at in this pandemic. And note that you can be in different places at different times. One day you'll be in one spot, another day you'll feel another. But some of these behaviors recently I think are explained by this chart. One of the things it points out is that, you know, most disasters happen very quickly in one day or just a few days whether you're talking about an earthquake or a tornado or a hurricane or flooding. But a pandemic is something that keeps on going. We're still experiencing it and there's still so much we don't know about it. The impact is still occurring. You know that Heroic acts is something we've seen experience experienced some, and even in our own congregation. We certainly celebrate our frontline workers. And I've certainly felt like that we have been in a honeymoon phase here at the church, as you've been so appreciative of every effort we tried to make to connect the congregation. But then when you look around and you see the political arguing and the unrest growing, we certainly are entering that disillusionment phase we're starting to see that hard choices have to be made. We know we're not going to be able to just go back to the way the things were. We understand we're going to have to be creative in how when we do come back together, we still practice safe social distancing to protect our most vulnerable populations. So now is the time to call upon our faith, to be that witness to our community. We need to embrace Paul's understanding of suffering as opportunity to glorify God and to serve others. We are not a disillusioned people. We are a people filled with the hope of God. So we need to live more than ever knowing that God is with us in both the good and in the bad. We need to model those safe social practices, not just for our own health, but especially for those that are vulnerable in our society. We need to particularly... Be concerned about those working on the front lines. We need to make sure the resources are there for those who are unemployed and give what is necessary to those companies that are trying to keep people employed. I love the message I've seen in our own neighborhood and also around the town of Noblesville that says we are in this together. Isn't that what Paul is trying to say in our scripture today? He said, I am happy to be suffering for you. And Paul didn't even know these people. He's never, ever met them. But they're a part of the body of Christ. And therefore, he feels his suffering is beneficial to them. So whatever suffering Paul experiences is just an extension of Jesus' sufferings on our behalf. And any sacrifices that we need to make to get through this pandemic and the weeks and months to come is an extension of the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ who demonstrated to us that love when he gave his life on the cross. Now let's hear the scripture from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17.
2: A reading from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17.
0: Therefore,
3: as God's choice, holy in love, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, And if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other.
2: And over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you are called in one body. And be thankful, people. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him.
4: Good morning. Welcome again to Noblesville First's live stream. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm glad that you've chosen to log in with us this morning. I have to say, as we continue in this crisis, it's getting harder and harder to write sermons. The more I see the extremes that people are going to, the protests and the church gatherings where people claim God as their reason for defying the health measures that are in place, the more I become disheartened by our lack of understanding as a group of believers in who Jesus was, what he actually stood for, how he'd actually want us to live. Christianity in this country is seemingly morphing ever more into religious nationalism, and that's about as close to the opposite of how Jesus taught as we can get. So this morning, I'd like to break down what Paul is teaching from prison a little differently and try to specifically see the words he wrote from Jesus' perspective and how Jesus would have us live them out once again paul starts this passage with a therefore which refers to the passage before it where paul says something that he says a lot in his writings that our old lives have gone and we shouldn't live like that anymore and that there's no longer these separations of people these categories that we lump people in i love the way that the message says it From Colossians 3.11, it says, Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So there are no boundaries to belonging to Christ. It's not about who you are or who you were born to or your social status, your gender, your religion. None of that. We are all to invite everyone into the kingdom with us, regardless of our own bias. And that's something Jesus absolutely shows in his ministry, conversing with and saving a Samaritan woman a centurion's servant, a man paralyzed for years. He didn't pick and choose who to love and who not to. All were welcome. But that doesn't mean that Jesus tolerated all actions. He invited everyone to come and then told them what it meant to be here with him. Hear this from the book of Luke chapter 9. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? And we remember the rich young ruler who walked away when Jesus answered his question of what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom? So one of the discussions that we had at Thursday worship this week was about reconciling that all are welcome and there are integral things to stay. And we said that this is true of literally any group. There's a lot of groups that are open to everyone, but have expectations if you're going to remain. If you join a vegetarian gardening group, but then show up to the annual picnic with a rack of ribs, you might be asked to leave. But even that is the difference between worldly groups and Jesus, because Jesus won't kick you out. But that doesn't stop people from leaving, When talking to the rich young ruler and explaining everything that he needed to do, sell your possessions, give your proceeds to the poor, come follow me, he didn't say, or else, he didn't kick the man out for refusing, but the man heard what was necessary and chose to leave. And this happened on multiple occasions where Jesus would teach and the people would say, this is a hard teaching, and decide to leave. But Jesus didn't cast them out. Being a Christian isn't a sign-up list that you just sign your name to and you're in. Jesus wasn't trying to list out the to-dos for people to follow. He was teaching a way of life. He wasn't giving the rules for what it means to be a member of a club. He was saying, all are welcome, and here is what it means to be here. Jesus invites us into the kingdom of God, a place where we're absolutely not ready to fully be yet, and then teaches what it means to be there. And sometimes, maybe a lot of times, it feels like being at a vegetarian picnic with barbecue sauce on your face, because we're not ready yet. There's change that needs to occur in our lives. We don't have it figured out. But unlike that picnic, Jesus isn't going to ask you to leave. He's going to continue showing you what it means to be here. But that's not to say that Jesus didn't cast things out. During the last week of his life in the first three Gospels, he fashioned a whip out of cords and went into a temple and turned over tables and drove out merchants calling it a den of robbers. But that seems to contrast with our scripture from today, where Paul says in verses, verse 13, be tolerant with each other. And if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other as the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other. But imagine Jesus walking into the temple and saying, I forgive all of you for the horrible things you're doing. And then just walking away. The difference here is between individual people and systems and hierarchies. I would argue that even in the midst of attacking an oppressive system by ridding the temple of the merchants and the money changers, he was still teaching what it means to be here in the kingdom of God. He fought the power that caused injustice because it was contrary to the way of life that Jesus embraced while extending love to individuals. Similarly, Jesus fought against the Pharisees as a body that discriminated against Gentiles and the least of these and those that were not good enough, but still welcomed and loved and conversed with individual Pharisees who sought him out, like Nicodemus. And we then have a similar responsibility as members of the kingdom of God to fight injustice and oppression while helping people understand what it means to be here. The hard part of that is the incredible division that we currently have in our country. Everyone thinks they're right, myself included, and has trouble listening to the other side. But Paul covers that too in his passage in verses 14 through 16, where he says, And over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called in one body. And be thankful, people. The word of Christ must live in you richly, teach and warn each other with all wisdom This is the true challenge of being a Christian, of being like Christ, because Christ managed in his human self to be both perfectly loving towards people and still be righteously angry towards systems of power and oppression. That is a next to impossible task for us today as tensions continue to rise and answers seem to come from too many conflicting directions. But it's places like this that things like the What Would Jesus Do movement spawn from. And it is truly ever more important to be asking ourselves that kind of question as as we interact with others. Is this something Jesus would say? If Jesus were next to me and I said this or did this, would I expect a nod from him in agreement? But that, too, brings me back to part of the problem. And that is that too many people, again, myself included believe that most of what we do is in line with what Jesus would want. And I'm sorry to say, for most of us, that's just not true. The passage from Luke that we read earlier in the NIV starts like this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. How often do I truly deny myself? It's a hard thing. And personally, I'm not sure it's something you can actually accomplish on your own. But it is something that comes with being here in the kingdom of God. In my experience, the times in my life that I have most effectively denied myself and put on love and peace have been the times that I am most intimately connected with my community. And when I was writing this sermon, I originally wrote, faith community. But then I realized that that's not actually true. It's never needed to be people who shared my beliefs specifically. In fact, I think it's possible that the times that I've been most in tune with following Christ's example of love are when I'm most deeply connected to people in my community of varying beliefs and backgrounds. Maybe that's because when I choose to only surround myself with people of my own faith, I subconsciously start to reject the idea that everyone is truly included in Christ. I reject that there is no longer Jew or Gentile because I've chosen to make a me and an us, which also creates a them. When I decide the best place for me is to be sectioned off in my own bubble, I reject the openness that Christ brought into the world. And whether I want to admit it or not, I am most like Christ when I'm connected to diverse community. That isn't to say that you shouldn't be a part of a faith community. This faith community is incredible and it is strong and it helps us grow. But I hope it also encourages us to go and build into our own communities where we live or where we work or where we exist and that we don't try to shelter those communities just into people who think like we think. Guys, this quarantine has been hard. I'm angry a lot. Seeing people endanger others out of their own selfish need to get a haircut or go golfing makes me mad. Seeing the chasm between the left and the right and the vitriol that they hurl at each other makes me sad. But Paul's reminder here to put on love and peace And teach and warn each other is a reminder that the only way that we make it through anything is together. There are tables that need to be flipped over. There are systems that create merchants and thieves that need to be driven out of the temple. That's that's true. But I all but guarantee that none of us are ready to do that with an attitude like Christ's. Some are closer than others, but without first putting on the full love and peace of God and connecting with our communities to truly understand the needs and the folly, there's always going to be that bit of selfishness in the way that we act. The selfishness can be slowly chipped away if we work together with those varied ideas and beliefs to bring God's kingdom here to help people understand what it means to be here in a new way, a new kingdom. So I encourage you to reach out this week in love, not anger to those you might disagree with. Reach up to God for love and peace and then reach out. Build community with everyone. For words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included
0: in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Please remember that right after Cindy's postlude, Go to the uh, website where you'll find the link to the Zoom Q&A that we're going to have with Kristen Boyce. It's going to be an excellent discussion as we talk about the coronavirus stress, quarantine stress in students. Um, so go to the website. You'll find that link there. At this time, let us go forth with this benediction. Be the peace of Christ be with you as we continue to be the body of Christ, physically separate but spiritually connected. Amen.